0: <laughs> okay, so for the last um, for the last three or four years, I've been working on a a project to try to map out machshava uh, and aschafik topics by like major categories and subcategories, like in a like a like a tour Beit Yosef style for ideas and values as opposed to like mitzvot and halachot. Um, and once you like once you get enough of them built up, categories, subcategories you can start to, you know, group them all together and see, okay, what are the major areas of thought, belief, and uh, values that the Torah, the Tanakh, the Chazal uh, speak about? And anyone want to guess what those areas are? Right, anyway, I'm, I'm sure there could be different halukots, but, uh, but as, you know, as, as far as I could tell based on what I've done so far and what there seem to be most uh, emphasis on, in what? So that's a pr- pretty good guess, uh, given the, the nature of uh, this year of Tali Israel or Am Israel. Uh, Torah, meaning not just like the mitzvot that pertain to Torah, but just the uh, the domain of thought of what Torah is, Torah values, etc., etc. Uh, is massive. That was kind of the first uh, area I really uh, worked through. Uh, ben Adam Lomako. You have mitzvot bin adam Lamakom, There's also a tremendous amount of machshava that has to do with bin adam Lamakom. What we can study about a Baruch Hu, what we can't study about Akadosh Baruch Hu, um, You know, why he created the world, and how do you get close to him, and tefillah, and avodah, and yirah, and ahava. And, you know, these are, uh, these are just massive, uh, massive topics. And there's... Uh, Broadly speaking, it could be ben adam or community, basically interpersonal. Uh, the interpersonal domain uh, is a massive domain. Um, you could what you can call either ben adam as the the, the, the Vilna uh uses. You can say Torah haAdam. That's the the Ramban's uh, usage, and it's basically studying the the human experience from the individual's perspective, uh, which would be. You think about midot, or uh, you know, spiritual development, or the religious condition of a person. Bichlal, you know, what is a human being in uh, in Torah thought? In terms of a balance between the physical and the spiritual, uh, the life cycle is uh, there's a lot there. Then you have uh, the times of the year, meaning time in general, and and, and specific times of year. Uh, and you have Am Yisrael. So, we believe those are like six categories, seven categories. b'makom, Torah, Am Yisrael, and and zmanim. So, I was I was actually surprised to see just how much is written about Am Yisrael. And first, let's talk about what that means exactly. A lot of Torah and a lot of mitzvot are focused around the domain of the individual, and and they don't have much to do with uh, anyone else, right? When you put on tfillin, that's that's you. That's a you thing. That's that's what you're doing when you're working on your midot. That has to do with you. Even you know to even you know when you daven in, in a minion, um, you know we start to see a semblance of you know okay, so there's. You have an individual responsibility. Everyone has the respo- the individual responsibility to daven and a minion. And then once you get ten people together, we, you know, we we, we forge some sort of collective. Um, but it is not the minion's responsibility to have a minion. It's the individual's responsibility to daven with others. So a lot of Torah and probably most of what we're familiar with uh, is focused on the individual domain of the religious experience. And I was almost surprised, I guess, when I really started going through things. And you go through things, you know, uh, through different avenues. You can, you know, both look up specific topics that pertain to that which you're uh, researching. And just read. Read through, um, learn through, you know, several key works in uh, Machshava. And whenever there is something relevant you know underlying it or whatever i have a color coding system with with like uh sticky notes and when i come across you know something that's pertaining to this domain I'll put like an orange sticky note that domain a blue sticky note or, you know and then and then I'll, I'll know like where to put like what these domains uh yeah oh yeah well, this is blue i'm blue um but uh so, you know, you see blue sticky notes in my svar, it means I have a source in there that I need to add to the Amistral Makorot sheets, <laughs> you see. Um, so that's uh, so that's just kind of how I, I keep track of things and I have them mapped out on six different documents and every time I come across something, so I'll, I'll put it here and I'll put it there. So I was surprised to see the, the amount of Torah that speaks about uh, the religious experience and the religious responsibility that don't pertain to the individual at all uh, but pertain to the collective. It pertain to to this concept of Am Yisrael, which is the group responsibility. Let's say the group identity, the group responsibility, the nature of the group, the relationship that a Kaddish Baruch Hu has with the with, with the group. There for everything in the Torah that uh, is relevant for the individual domain. So you have that which is relevant for the collective uh, domain as well, which is um it's it's interesting it's something that i that i that i never heard all that much about and then when i started looking into it at, at least as far as the torah and tanakh is concerned it's probably spoken about more than the than the alternative um meaning throughout the torah we seem to be addressed more as a collective, with a collective identity and collective responsibility, then we are addressed as individuals with individual responsibilities. Um, you know, so I thought, okay, well, this is a massive domain uh, that uh, that needs to be looked into. And that, Be'ezerot uh, HaShem, is the, the domain that I would like to study together. This year, I think you get a lot of the individual domain. I think the vast majority of Gemara is focused on the individual domain. I think the vast majority of Alakha is focused on the individual domain. Um, So here we have one sheer uh, week, roughly, when Rav isn't here, uh, that, um, (laughs) that we can ask, okay, well, you know, that, that, accounts for, you know, 50% of what Karish Baruch Hu wants from us, and the other 50% stems from uh, our responsibilities not as uh, an individual, but as a, a part of a broader collective um, that we're meant to be uh, working on. And it makes sense, because there are certain things that can't be accomplished as an individual. They can only be accomplished as a group. And so there are certain responsibilities that God gave to each and every one of us as individuals. And there are certain responsibilities that G-d Baruch Hu gave to us uh, as a group. So I'll just throw one example. Whose job is it to bring the Korban Tamir? I mean, you might want to say the Kohen or the Kohen Gadol, but the truth is, that's not how it's phrased in the Torah. Meaning he is the one who executes it, but whose job is it to bring the Korban Tamir? Ah, job. No, no one person, it's not that... I'm Pater from this mitzvah, and the Kohen or the Kohen Gadol is chay in this mitzvah. Am Yisrael has to bring a Korban tamim Twice a day. Who does it? Okay, the Kohen or the Kohen Gadol executes the responsibility on behalf of Am Yisrael. Right? But there, but there is a massive portion of Torah which deals with mitzvot that's no one individual's responsibility. It doesn't even tell one person to do it. It tells everyone to do it. And then we orchestrate who's going to do that. Um, but it's incumbent, not upon the individual. Uh, but uh, upon the cloud. So there's a lot in the domain of Torah and mitzvot that falls into such a category, and um, you know, I at least was uh, was extremely ignorant to this massive uh, part of Torah, and I thought that we would do a little more looking into it. So first of all, first of all, the source for looking at let's let's call it uh, the Jewish people or Judaism, you know, whatever you want to call it. Um, not as a faith-based uh, uh, identification, but as a group identity, is probably the very first time that a Baruchu Baruch Hu talks to Avraham, which is you know pretty, you know, As far as as far as our history goes, that's pretty much the beginning, right? So the very first thing that a Baruchu Baruch Hu says to Avram is V'yom Rishem Avram Lech Lecha Mi'artzecha Mi'ladetcha Beit Avichel Ve'scha Legoi Gadol. Right? So the So it's important to note how Kharish Baruch identifies what he calls what he wants Avraham to be starting. Right? And it's interesting. Um, he doesn't he doesn't say I want you to be starting a religion. He doesn't say I want you to start a faith. He doesn't say I want you to spread monotheism to the world. He doesn't say any of those things. He doesn't say a a a moral system. He says, I, I, I'm going to make you a goy gadol. That's, that's the goal here. Um, for right now, we're going to translate goy as nation, but we may see later on uh, the slight differences that you may be able to point out between the terminology of goy as opposed to am. Um. Nonetheless, from the very outset of identifying you know, everyone in this room, in this Beit Midrash, as different than anyone else in the world... Uh, were identified by some sort of nationalistic collective identity through the term of Goy. That's also why it, it makes sense. Well, I think I think this is one of the most surprising psukim in the Torah, honestly. Because if you put yourself in God's shoes for a second, if you were to start, you know, your ideal religion, that's you know the reason the world was created for the the purpose, and you know whatever it is, whatever you think about. About Judaism, if you were starting that, like, what would be the first thing that you would tell the first Jew? So I don't know, maybe the Ten Commandments, or maybe you know, um, at least belief in God, or maybe let's go with, uh, you know, Avodah uh, Zarah, Shvichu and I don't know, something, right? Like start with Vehavtolarecha Kamocha. You want to go with the values? The, listen, I'm a Tzayni. Right? If if no one knew, I'm a, I'm a pretty Zionistic guy, right? But. But I would not have started with go to Eretz Yisrael. I, mean, I think that's that. If I were God, if I'm putting myself in those shoes, that would not have been where I would start this from. Don't get me wrong; I would get there, <laughs> eventually. Um, but that's probably not the first thing that I would tell to my my first follower who I wanted to start everything. I would probably start with. You know, I'm God. I'm the creator of the heavens and the earth. I'm, you know, Yeshurcoach, you, uh, you you found me. Um, spread my name. Uh, spread monotheism. Uh, don't kill. Uh, ten I don't know something along those lines. I would start with I'm a tsioni, I'm, I'm uh, you know I, I I served in the army, right? but I would not have started with God. there. But it makes sense. It makes sense once you understand what God is asking for and what God is saying to Abraham right because he doesn't he's not saying to abraham i'm going to make you a great religion i'm going to make you a great Right? he says i'm going to make you a great nation and so he starts with that which is seems to be critical to the domain of a collective identity which is a which is a place right which is uh, uh you know a, a a a property some sort of property which is an integral part of uh, of, of a collective identity of a, of a nationhood, of of nationalism uh, so that makes sense and that's the first time we we really see Whatever this is that we're doing here, defined, and it's defined as a goy, right? So the, the, I mean the, the Jewish type of goy, um, but the, the. So the, the first time, I guess you could all look at the paper, but uh, but if you if you didn't look at the paper, the first time that we're defined as a nation, right, as an am, uh, very interestingly enough, is by Paro uh, when he says. Um, Hine Am B'nei Israel, Rav Ve'atzum Mimenu Right? The nation of Israel uh, is, you know, great and uh, you know, uh, beyond us. So even though that's Paro calling us an Am, and maybe you don't want to identify by the, you know, by by Paro's uh, terminology nonetheless, uh, two prakim later we see it by Kodesh Baruch Hu as well when he comes to Moshe and he says Vayom R'ashem Et Right, he saw, you know, the that the he saw his nation. He saw the, the desolate the desolation of his nation, and he says, "I heard their cries, and I'm going to save them." This is what he tells uh, Moshe by the Sneh. So very early on in Shemot, um, we are identified as an Am, as a nation. Again, later we'll get into what exactly the difference is between being a goy, as opposed to being an Am. There is a potential difference. Nonetheless. Uh, we have yet, we have yet to be identified by anything other than uh, this, you know, this this collective, uh, a group of people. So, it's a very interesting, by the way, the the Maharal points out that when was the first time, you know, we were called a nation by Paro, when we were how many people? I mean, the... The truth is, I guess that's, that's a little bit later on, so the, the, but the Baral points out that we were, that we kind of, we crossed over to this domain of nationhood when we were 70 uh, people, 70 people coming down from Mitzrayim, and he goes uh, at length to explain the relationship between the number 70 and nationhood, and maybe the most obvious connection is the fact that there are 70 nations of the world. Right, So once Khalil Yisrael were 70, we kind of we went into the Geder of an Am, and that's when our national mission began. Uh, once we were 70, that's why we went down to Mitzrayim, and that's why at that point we were enslaved in Egypt, which was the, the foundation of what was supposed to forge us as this collective. We were specifically, very specifically, supposed to be forged in uh, Mitzrayim as, uh, with our, our collective identity. That happened once we were 70 because of the relationship between the number 70 and the nationhood. So that was not doing his explanation justice, but uh, it's a fascinating idea. I can send you a card on that. Okay. So what does it mean? What does it mean to be an Am? What does it mean to have a collective identity uh, rather than or in addition to an individual identity? So Rav Kook addresses this point in Malach Deot, where he writes as follows, Breshit. Uh, he said, "From the very onset of of being a nation with a collective uh, identity that knew how to call b'shem Hashem, meaning." that uh, that had some sort of desire not just to be a you know not just to be uh, individuals or not just to be a nation for a for a pragmatic purpose but a collection of individuals who you know who strive towards some sort of relationship with the kodesh baruchu the following desire started to manifest which is to create a society that reflects the values of A-Kadosh Baruch Hu. meaning it wasn't enough to be an individual who believed in these things and followed A-Kadosh Baruch Hu. no 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 we want a society that reflects the same values now why might that be the case uh as Rav Kook goes on to explain we're not going to read every word inside but you're welcome to see it inside um, the essay by the way is you know among i think he calls his second most important essay, Israel. Uh b'Yisrael. Israel. Yisrael. I recommend Rav uh, Chagai London's elucidation of it. I found it very helpful. Because uh, the, the terminology and the ideas are very difficult uh, in and of themselves. He basically explains, says, okay, you know, why is it that the moment you have a collective, a people with a collective identity, and uh, religious uh, inclinations or beliefs... Why is it that there is a, an interest, an aspiration towards uh, forging a society? He basically explains because there's only so much you can do in the individual domain, right? As an individual, you can give tzedakah, right? Can you guarantee that you have a just society? Not as an individual, right? Meaning, how do you guarantee that you have just society? Well, you need a court system, or you need punishments, or you, you need... Uh, you need a big group of people living in the same area who all agree to abide by a certain ethic. There's only so much justice that you can do as an individual. You can do a lot more justice as a collective. For that reason, uh, there's an impetus to, we have a certain set of values, there's only so much you can do as an individual. Right. Uh, for another example, you know, let's say, let's say, uh, you believe in um, what's another good example. He brings a lot of good examples. You don't have to think of our own. Um, let's say, let's say, you wanted to have a good government. You know, you're in uh, whatever whatever place that you live in. And you find that your know, your government is uh, corrupt, and all the officials are they You know they, they just know how to talk and they know how to sell people, but they don't do good things. They don't have good beliefs, and they, you know. So you want a government that is working towards managing your group, your area, for the right reasons and for good intentions, right? And you think about how much impact a government has as opposed to an individual. An individual doesn't legislate, an individual doesn't enforce, an individual cannot do anything that's beyond the the control or the power of one person. But think about how much power, at least potentially, a government has to impact on a broader scale, right? With economic policy, with foreign policy, with, you know, think about the, the potential impact that a government has, right? Those are things that no matter what the beliefs of the individual are, you can only do so much there for you, for a society, for the world. You actually need a functioning government body that has the same beliefs as you to have a valuable foreign policy, maybe even a godly foreign policy, a valuable. Uh, 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 a social policy, a valuable financial policy, a valuable... Right, that, that all reflect the values of God, it explains of cook there's only so much you can do as an individual. At a certain point, you need to get a group of people in the same location, on the same page, with a certain set of values to construct all those relevant Phenomena that have to do with More than one person And the same goes for an army You have an army, but imagine having an army That reflects A Baruch Hu's values You can't do that with one person There's only so much you can do in this world In this life with one person Eventually you need to get more people On board in order to Forge The the greatest impact That appropriate proper values Can uh, create Yeah, Daniel, you a know. Um, what was the what was the thing about like do, would he say that this is just for Jews or he thinks that this is like what the, what the ideal system of a government would be so or is it like a, or is it like more perspective of like that uh, you just like man just man just needs needs government even though he doesn't want it it seems that he believes and we'll, we'll, we'll get into this uh, more in depth and it's not it really didn't start from him it's a very it's very clearly a Rumban who believes that 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 our goal is for for God to be recognized through our behaviors. There are certain things that non-Jews have to do as well, and setting up a court system and having a just society is actually one of those seven things that they need to do, certain things that non-Jews have to do as well, but the ultimate purpose of our behavior is that God in this world is displayed clearly through how we orchestrate our society. Um, and that creates a model to emulate, but not every facet of our uh, behaviors is mandatory upon, you know, certainly the individual domain is not uh, mandatory, but the national domain is supposed to serve as not just a model for other nations, but also a, a clear demonstration uh, of the supremacy of godly values and Torah values. As well as a clear demonstration of God's presence in this world. So, so, the what what essentially being a nation would uh, would ask for is that we function together and probably in a common a place so that we may set up a we so that we may set up. Those collective bodies uh, that have the potential to, to function uh, unhindered by those with different uh, values or different beliefs. Now, uh, this says nothing about it being Eretz Yisrael particularly. That will, if we get into it, will be much later into the year, um, I think. Unless I decided to do it earlier. But, uh, but at the very least, at the very least, if you want the full effect... Of, If you want the full effect of what a collective can do by demonstrating godly values, by demonstrating Torah values, as opposed to what the individual, and the individual can do a lot, but the individual is limited to the domain of the individual, right? There's a government, there's an army, there's a there's a, there's an economy, there's a foreign policy. There are all of these things that simply cannot be accomplished by the individual, but that the Torah has something to say about them. And Qalai Yisrael's mission is to forge that collective, which brings Torah values to every domain of the human existence, both on the individual level and on the collective level, and that, uh, for, for several of those things, that requires being in the same place. Not necessarily this place, as far as we can tell, right now. Uh, but the same place and uh, some degree of of uh, collective functioning. Um, now, the the first time we were defined, we we tend to think of we tend to think of our collective identity uh, as Judaism, and we tend to put Judaism under the category of uh, religion. That's that has sources as well. Right, the first source for where we see uh, the first source for where we see what we are in our collective identity as a religion and as Judaism. So, if you looked at the sources, you'll know. If you didn't look at the sources, anyone want to guess? If you didn't look at the sources, it's in Megillat Esther. Uh, it's in Megillat Esther. Ve'yomer Haman lemele chashverosh yeshno am echad mefuzar mefurad bein ha'amim b'chum medinat malchutecha ve'datehem shonot ve'datehem shonot that is the first time that we are referred to as a dat uh in all of history at least all of Tanakh and it comes from Megillat Esther the very last uh, sefer um to be added and we are called a dot, a religion. I guess I didn't bring this pasuk, but probably an important pasuk to bring is that that dot is referred to as Yehudim, right? As you see by Mordechai Ish Yehudi Abishushana Bira. And uh, Rashi, their comments—I meant to bring this, I didn't bring it. Rashi, their comments that we started to be identified as Yehudim after the Galut of Yehuda. And so even though Mordechai was identified as an Ish-Yemini, Minestam, that means he's from Binyamin. he's called uh, Yehudi, because anyone who was exiled from the Galut Yehuda is now identified as a Yehudi. So the identification of Yehudim, of Jews, and the identification of religion, of Dat, this came in the first Galut with, uh, you know, around the, the, the story of Esther. Yeah. Right, so the Malbim uh, addresses this point as to what exactly is implied by dot. Right, so let's see. We saw what Rav Cook had to say about what's implied by being a nation. It's implied by being a nation is functioning as some sort of collective for the goal of integrating Torah values on the. You know, global or national or collective scale, as opposed to the individual scale. You know, the, a, a person, a person has these two expressions of themselves. They have their individual identity and collective identity, and the nation basically, uh, repra, you know, uh, accounts for all of the things that pertain to a person's uh, identification as a collective, and that will be the goal of Amisra. So now let's see what it means to be a, a dot. Uh, at least as far as uh, what the Malbum explains, very right, as follows right so what did Aman want to uh, indicate what did Aman want to indicate to toashro he wanted to, hint to Achashverosh. that they are uh, damaging that they are that they are doing nezek, they're doing damage to all other nations around them Im aim he says how are they doing damage on two in two frameworks first of all they're doing damage with their with the particular na- nature of their faith and second of all with the way they conduct themselves on a how would you translate that they don't have a medina <laughs> there, but on a collective level basically they the the they're they're damaging in the domain of their indiv- of of their beliefs as well as the domain of their uh, of their collective conduct so it would seem that uh, at least the malbim understands that the reference to dat datem shonot that datem them shonot Haman's implication is that the nature of this group's beliefs is damaging to the kingdom and to those who are a part of it Uh, and he says now it's known that you know he quotes uh, yishkon.' what was said about Israel that uh, even if you, so if you have a nation who is isolated, who is uh, living alone, uh, at the very least, no matter how terrible they are, at the very least, they're not going to impact your kingdom, ha-chashverosh. Uh, V'khen, im af yishachno ben ha-amim acharim b'minotehem, im ha-kopanim b'chob medina sheshochrim ba, yesh lahem arim nevedalim, or even if they are in your kingdom, but they have isolated cities, Uh khen En Shkunatam mazik v'lo yakpid ha-melech Says nonetheless, uh, them their presence here would not be particularly damaging to your kingdom. And there would be no need to really get rid of them. Uh, that's why Amman specifically said, no, "No, no, no! This is an am mifuzar. They're spread out in all of the." of the kingdom of Achashverosh, not isolated by uh, by location, and not even in individual cities within your kingdom, <speaking in Hebrew> to say that they don't have an individual Medina, <speaking> in <Hebrew> uh, and he says then <speaking in Hebrew> to tell them, to tell him that they're not just spread out in your kingdom, but they're also not together in any one place in your uh, uh, kingdom they're really amongst each and every uh, body within your kingdom uh, right and he says, so he wants to give uh, he wants to scare him right and say this is not just a problematic ideology it's not just a problematic faith right it's a problematic faith that is spread out Amongst every area and every people within your kingdom, it's not we can't contain the virus in any one place. It is, it is, you know, spread out in your entire kingdom. Right. So you, the Malbim, Kidai to see the whole Malbim, he explains, uh, you know, in what ways their their they're. they're Ideology, their dat, is so damaging to Achasherosh's kingdom. Nonetheless, he believes that uh, by identifying the Am Mifuzaru miforad, as opposed to the Datehem Shonot, he's really addressing two things that Achasherosh needs to be concerned for uh, their collective behavior as well as their faith. Uh, both of them are quite damaging, especially given their dispersion throughout the kingdom of Akashverosh both of them are quite uh, damaging to uh, the king's goals for, uh, for his kingdom. Interesting to point out, though, that even once we are described for the first time as a Dat, as Yehudim, nonetheless, in the same exact Pasuk, we're also described as an Am. Right? So it seems that these... Ideas are not mutually exclusive uh, to, you know, in, in, in a sense, but rather uh, they, they do function together in some way, and that's what Rav Kook uh, explains in the continuation of Ma'alah uh, Haideyot Israel that there are really two sides to what we're doing here. He, what Rav Kook calls throughout the essay Ha Elokit and Haideah. Right, there is the, there is the, what's an idea, an idea, uh, the, the fascinating why he uses that word, it's, it's excellent, it's, uh, again, highly recommend you see uh, Rav Chagai London's elucidation of his use of that word, uh, he believes that, uh, that the, the word idea, right, which comes from, the word idea, uh, which was uh, popularized in Greek thought, with the, you know, the theory of forms, um, he believes that the shorish of that word is actually dea, which is a Hebrew word, and the Greeks actually used it wrong, and Rav Kook wanted to restore idea to its original uh, usage, which was dea. right? That idea that the Greeks used particularly referred to the abstract manifestation of something and not the practical manifestation of something, that's the theory of forms, the differentiation between the abstract and the practical manifestation, whereas De'a in the Torah seems to refer to something which both has an abstract and a real uh, manifestation of something. And so Rav Kook's whole essay uh, is around uh, this concept as it pertains to uh, the, the fundamental components of Klal Yisrael, both the religious and the national, and those elements of Klal Yisrael um, have both an abstract and a practical manifestation, and therefore, by using the word idea, he is basically uh, what uh, Rav Chagai London says is he is being megayer. <laughs> he is uh, he's basically converting a Jewish concept that has been warped through secular thought back into uh, back into its original and properly intended um, uh, uh, form which is not just to refer to the abstract domain, but is to refer to an individual thing which has both an abstract and a practical manifestation. Um, It's a fascinating essay. Anyway, what he says is the idea ha-elokit and the idea ha-leumit, these are basically the two the two modes of Chlal Yisrael, and in an ideal world they are meant to function together. In an ideal world they are meant to function together. Um, Now, we were divorced from the idea haleumit once we, not just once we were expelled from from Israel, not once we were exiled, but even before that, when we ceased to use the idea haleumit as a platform for a national expression of the idea haelokit, meaning. <laughs> We didn't use the Beit Hamikdash as a a center for collective religious life. Rather, we, you know, didn't use it for proper, particularly religious purposes at all. We didn't seem to use it to get closer to a Kurdish Baruch Hu. We used it to substitute our religious responsibility with national uh, uh, symbols and practices. So the Beit Hamikdash was no longer being used to bring our nation. Closer to a Kaddish Baruchu, rather, it was used to substitute our individual connections to God with a national connection of God. And once that became the case, that the national, the collective identity was not the platform for our religious uh, performance. So at that point, the Idea HaLi'umit and the Idea HaYalokit were divorced from one another. And once we're divorced from one another, Obviously, we're going to be expelled from Israel because the whole purpose of being here is the union of, of these two ideas. And that's why, perhaps for the first time, we we're identified as a dat, as a religion, as Yehudim. Uh, once we were expelled from Israel, once we lost all semblances of the idea HaLeumit, the collective expression that we have, so the only thing that we have is the idea HaElokit. Right? The faith-based and religious uh, individual expression. And that's why in the first Galut we begin to be identified as Jews. uh, People of a particular faith. It comes to the forefront much more. People didn't really think to call us that beforehand... Uh, because of this perfect harmony that existed between our religious identity and our collective identity, where the collective identity is used to bring our religious identity to the forefront of all human expressions, both on the individual domain and the collective domain. Once we lose the collective domain, so our individual uh, religious identity really comes to the forefront and becomes uh, significantly more noticeable. Uh, But of course, of course... The union of the two uh, That seems to be the ideal That seems to be the goal In fact, our collective identity seems to be The, the platform that is uh, Brought up first and foremost And most consistently uh, Throughout the Torah, long before We are given some sort of Religious identity uh, later on At uh, Harsinai In fact, uh, as we're going to see uh, Now, Rav believes it's not an accident Rather, if we were so deprived of our proper religious expression, and we lean so heavily on our nationalistic expressions, meaning the, the, the classic examples are the examples that the Navi brings down. <clears throat> right? The examples that the Navi brings down are are God doesn't want your korbanot. Really? Because I read the Torah on it. It sounds like God wants my korbanot. There's no, God wants your chuva. Part of the chuva process is bringing a korban. Instead, what would colleagues Israel do? They would worship before the Zara and bring korbanot. Right? That's not what God wants. That's eliminating God from the individual domain because you're worshipping a bodhisattva and relying that uh, the kohen bringing an animal sacrifice is somehow going to fix your problems. It's substituting any semblance of the religious individual domain with the national identity. So Rav Cook says it wasn't just that we couldn't be given a national expression anymore, it's that we had to have that taken away. Why? so we could focus on the religious domain so we could build up the religious domain because we had no individual religious domain the national domain was servicing as a crutch so what did God do? Says, okay I'll take away the national domain (laughs) now you only have to focus on the individual religious domain and that's been the case for the last two thousand years and by the way has that been successful? well Look at every book that's been published, every book that's been written <laughs> over the last two thousand years. What's the focus? Meaning, you look in Navi, you look in Tanakh, right? What's the focus? How much is Talmud Torah focused on in in Navi? How much is Shmirat Hamitzvot focused on in Navi? Not at all. <laughs> like, like literally, like almost not once. You don't see the people learning in the Beit Midrash in Navi. You know, you don't see people. You're really executing mitzvot very clearly in the navi, right? Their focus is on what that which pertains to the national domain, okay? But that was that that, that was that was overwhelming. It almost served as a too much of a crutch for us. We we, we totally lost the significance and the focus of the individual religious domain. What is every sefer that's been written in the last two thousand years? <laughs> halacha, halacha, Gemara. The focus of the individual religious responsibility. The development of that system that tells you as a person what to keep. How much of it is focused on national ideas and group uh, identity? I don't know. It's not what I get from the Gemara. It's not what I get from the Shulchan Aruch. So that very clearly uh, became our focus, and rightfully so. And rightfully so, uh, but only in on a temporary basis. Because what, what was the ideal? The ideal is being able to use our collective entity to bring Torah values beyond the domain of the individual, but to bring it to the domain of the collective, which is much, much further reaching. Says Rav Koch, that becomes the focus, that becomes the job of the generation that comes back to Israel, is to reunite the two is to say, you had 2,000 years to work on the individual religious domain. By the way, we did a pretty good job. We developed halacha that pertains to the individual in about every fathomable way that you could. You think about how detail-oriented halakha became over the course of the last 2,000 years, as opposed to what it was in the time of the Mishnah. Everything has details and details and details upon details. And that was to give the individual as much guidance as possible in their particular behavior we did a great job right by the way that's that's how Rav cook explains the gemara and that we saw last year which says chacham adif minavi the navi spoke about national ideas how well did it work out for us avodah zara <laughs> you know the chacham focused on individual guidance in religious behavior how did that work out for us we've been doing pretty well you know overwhelmingly <laughs> You know, overwhelmingly, we have a lot to be proud of over the last 2,000 years in our halachic observance, or at least we're not doing a Vodazar. Cesar of Kulk, that's great! That's great, but it's clearly, you read the Torah, it's clearly only 50% of the picture. It's clearly, but that was the job, that was our job over the last 2,000 years. What does it mean when a Kaddish Baruch Hu brings us back? It means that he believes that we have developed our individual religious practice enough To the point where we're able to try to reunite the two again, and bring Torah values back to the collective expression, which is the most impactful that Torah values can be on a global scale. And it's ironic. It's funny. It's not funny. It's funny in a sad way. That, that so much of the response to their coming back to Israel was one of two. In the secular domain, it's like, oh, thank God we have Israel again. Now we can leave all the mitzvot behind. <laughs> you know, it's like, it's like now that we have a nation and a national identity anymore, we can stop keeping these insane <laughs> detail-oriented halachas. It's like, you missed the whole point of Galut, <laughs> you know? It's like, that was the reason we were sent there. Now it's the Tikkun, right? But on the other extreme, On the other extreme, there was so much concern that the coming back to Israel was going to, you know, destroy the individual uh, 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 national, sorry, the individual domain of the strict halachic practice that it's like, let's ignore the fact that there's a state here altogether and just keep doing what we're doing. Well then, you're missing the point of being brought back here. Right? So you're you're both missing the point. You're missing the point of Galut and you're missing the point of Geulah. That's why Rov Kook revolutionized this ideology, which suggested we need to merge the two in, in, in the uncompromising way <laughs> that we were meant to do but failed to do in the time of the Navi. For that reason, we were given a gulut which was aimed to focus exclusively on the individual domain, and not the national domain, and now come back to reunite the two. Not ignoring what the Galu was, but also not ignoring what the gula is—an army, a military that functions entirely, as last uh, week's parsha told us. Can you imagine an army that reflects Torah values completely, that doesn't compromise, and not only doesn't compromise, that is even more machmir on halacha, right? A collective, a medina, some sort of Hanagam Medinit, which is. Entirely reflecting of Torah values. Can you imagine what that would look like? What that would look like to the world? That's the ideal. You have three, you know, three camps, you know, uh, 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 within Judaism, within Am Israel, Once we came back to Israel, those who wanted to ignore what the what the Galut was for. <laughs> which was to train us, those who wanted to ignore what the ge'ula was for, which was the opportunity to reunite the two, and the ideology that's kind of attributed to Rav Kook, which is that this is our opportunity to rejoin the idea ha with the idea HaElokit, Be a national group that exemplifies the Kodesh Baruch Torah values to the entire world in the most far-reaching place, uh, most far-reaching way possible. Be a group that... Of strong religious individuals that brings Torah values to the forefront of the collective. Okay, that's uh, that's, that's that's what we're going to be uh, focusing on this year.